the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. 602 I was struggling uh, just a few moments ago uh, as between two things I wanted to share with you and what which I should do first. Let, let's get this out of the way first. Um, <laughs> at, 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 at the uh, with the concern that um, that maybe uh, maybe we shouldn't um, maybe we shouldn't conjure back something that we're happy to see on respite. It is interesting, is it not, that for twelve days, the last twelve days, without explanation, the governor of California has been out of sight missing from the public view, not to be seen, not to be heard from. The last 12 days. Let me read it to you this way. Jennifer Siebel Newsom, the wife of Governor Gavin Newsom, took to Twitter late Sunday last night to post, then delete a message urging people to stop hating, that's her words, while her husband has been out of the public eye since canceling plans to attend last month's climate summit in Scotland. A reporter from the Sacramento Bee, that's not the Babylon Bee, a real paper, the Sacramento Bee, first reported on this tweet. She posted that the governor's office has refused to clarify what family obligations are tying Gavin Newsom up. It's really interesting because... Um, as Cybel Newsom, Gavin Newsom's wife's tweet said, it's funny how certain folks can't handle the truth. When someone cancels something, maybe they're just in the office working. Maybe in their free time, they're at home with their family, at their kids' sports matches, or dining out with their wife. Please stop hating and get a life. Well, she deleted that tweet. Perhaps she deleted it because people were asking, well, which is it for your husband? Is he in the office working? And are there no cameras? Is he enjoying free time at home with an unannounced 12-day vacation? Is he at the children's sports matches or dining out with his wife, perhaps at a restaurant others can't afford? Which one of those is it? Well, as Fox News puts it, quote, Newsom's office did not immediately respond to an email from Fox News. His office also did not respond to questions Friday about what the governor has been doing, according to the Associated Press. When the initial announcement was made October 29th, his office said Newsom planned to participate virtually in the United Nations Climate Summit in Scotland. And rather than going there on his in person, but he didn't even show up for the virtual climate summit. His last public appearance was October 27th, when he received a coronavirus booster shot. The AP reported 
that it is a relatively slow time in Sacramento as the state legislature is not in session and won't meet again until January. Recent storms mean no major wildfires are burning out of control, as has been the case in recent years. I don't know where Gavin Newsom is and won't speculate, tweeted Kevin Kiley, an assemblyman from the state. But it's sure strange for the governor to disappear for 12 days without explanation. It sure is. It sure is. And... I don't know or even have any speculation as to what this is about. None. And it might be completely innocent. It might be. But if it is, they're acting on their side as if it isn't. As if it isn't. And I guess we would just consider this entry 6,051 or 600,051. I'm not sure which. I guess it would be one of those, somewhere in the thousands or hundred thousands of a journalism and a media in our midst that just does not take seriously its obligations except when it's with one party, except with it when it's within one party, when it's about one party, and then it doesn't even take them very seriously either. Um, I wanted I wanted to get that out. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk just a little bit about was a recurring thesis I'm fascinated by because it's I, I thought it would relax. I thought it would slow down. I thought it would dissipate, vitiate. It's gotten stronger. You, you all may remember the professor, the law professor at University of Pennsylvania, Amy Wax. Um, she got into controversy. Um, a few years back, about three years ago, for saying something that the Brookings Institution, which is a think tank for the Democratic Party, the Brookings Institution has been saying for 30 years. She simply repeated it, and it had to do with avoiding poverty in the United States and basically the three ironclad rules of how to avoid being poor in the United States, which is graduate from high school um, don't have children until you're married and get married. Um, those three things, which have been demonstrated as successes out of poverty for decades, she repeated, and then it was deemed that this was um, a privileged statement of white thinking. This is obviously where the Smithsonian got the notion to identify what white behavior was. And those certainly were the items, uh, those certainly were among those items that the Smithsonian chose to use to explain what whiteness was. Others included uh, doing homework, others included professing a faith in Christianity, others included uh, 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 relaxing and, and, and recreating after work, not before. Um, but Amy Wax, when I interviewed her on this show, said something that is true and I thought would go away. It's gotten worse. She said the difference between a conservative and a liberal, and maybe you folks will notice this as we're going into more and more holiday, more and more of a holiday series of, of uh, parties, receptions, and, um, and opportunities to test this out. She says a liberal will walk into a room knowing nobody or not knowing the room. And feel free, feel free 
to share their political perspectives, assuming the room is with them, assuming that this group of strangers shares their political beliefs. A conservative goes into a room not knowing the people or most of the people there and will not start speaking about politics, assuming the room doesn't share his or her beliefs. I happen to think it's another thing as well called politeness and manners, but Let's just work off Amy Wax's thesis. I thought that would get better. Not that conservatives would start talking more politically at parties where they didn't know their audiences, but that the liberals might calm it down a little bit, might stop making every moment of life political with the assumption that everyone is on their side and that anyone who holds a divergent view certainly wouldn't be in their sphere. Those are the racists and the white supremacists and the untermenschen that the media tells you about that would never be in our community of friends. Well, I have been to a couple few parties in the last few weeks, and it's gotten worse. I have to tell you, it's gotten worse. One small example would be an annual party I, I am privileged enough to go to, and it's just – it's it's not in any sense designed as a political gathering. I assume going to that party that 50 percent of the people share my views and 50 percent don't. Best guess, don't know. Never came up. We go there for other reasons, social reasons. Well, at this party, someone was sitting down and said, isn't it um, a joy to behold? Isn't it wonderful that a year ago – we had a president uh, in this country uh, we couldn't stand, and now everything is back to normalcy and calm. That's what this person said at a party at a table that sh she didn't know, at a table she didn't know. Just, just a good conversation starter, she thought. Well, it's an interesting thing, and I don't know if it's based truly on arrogance or if it's based truly on ignorance. I am increasingly in conversations with these people, increasingly dumbfounded, I have to tell you, by their, by their lack of knowledge of things we take for granted or their deliberate hiding of eyes and ears to know those things. If I have one more conversation with a liberal or leftist who faints surprise – when I talked to them about the riots of last year and the toll from those riots, that they had never heard of those violent riots, adult people, I can't tell you, um, I'd have to count on two hands, adult and sophisticated people who feign ignorance about those riots, Remy, I am shocked by this. I am truly shocked, and I don't know if they don't know about it, or if they're lying about not knowing about it because it hurts their narrative. I want to say more about it when I come back, and I'll get to you why. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. When you have conversations with folks who, who, who don't agree with you politically, are you as shocked as I am at the level of things that you took for granted they seem not to know or pretend not to know? I can't tell which. In some cases, it's obvious they, they simply don't know. They, they, I take them at their word and they are candid about these things. I'm talking about, for example, the riots last year. This comes up often 
when we are we are told um, we are responsible for or our movement needs to clean out its um, its extremists. Uh, you ask which ones, and you're told, well, for example, the white supremacists who stormed the Capitol. And, uh, of course, it's always white su- supremacists. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting when you find um, an, an identifiable boogeyman, an identifiable movement or boogeyman um, that is thrust at you, it might. It, it, it's interesting to say, and who is the leader of that? Outside, of course, of what they'll want to say, which is Donald Trump. You say, who is the leading? You know, who who is running this white supremacist movement? Who who are the leaders of it? Because it's an awfully interesting thing when you drill down. If if it's if it's if it's the Proud Boys, which was identified as one of the movers, shakers, and leaders of the um, of the riot on Capitol Hill. Um, that's certainly not led by a white man. It certainly is not uh, any more than the attorney general, the, the attorney general elect of Virginia is part of a white supremacist um, uh, conspiracy or political movement any more than the newly elected lieutenant governor of Virginia is. It's as if white supremacy doesn't mean anything anymore. It's as if white doesn't mean anything anymore to be to be exact, because white supremacy is thrown at an awful lot of people who just aren't white. They just aren't, including Larry Elder. They just aren't. I'm sorry. Um, But it's interesting how much I take for granted that they know so that we can have a conversation. So obviously we can talk about the people who were on Capitol Hill, but it pales in comparison. It pales in comparison by 14 times, perhaps 15 times, what took place in this country all last summer. And with prominent people and with prominent support from the Democratic leadership, including financial support, I'm talking $2 billion worth of damage. I'm talking thousands of businesses bankrupted. I'm talking not about one victim dead, which happened on January 6th. I'm talking about 30 people who were killed. I'm talking about 2,000 police officers who were sent to the hospital. That's what I'm talking about. How can they not know about this when they feign feign ignorance about it? Well, it's not that hard, a friend explains to me, for them not to know about it. For if you do get your news from CNN and the newspaper, you will be told again and again there were protests and they were mostly peaceful. There were protests and they were mostly people. Excuse me, and they were mostly peaceful. But if you kind of were worried about violence or if you were kind of worried about where this country was headed or if you were kind of worried about who was behind this violence – or if you were kind of interested, not worried, but just even a, a little bit interested in what the animating philosophy, the afflatus for this movement was, you'd know a lot more. You'd know a lot differently. And, it sh- and, and, and I suppose you had to listen to talk radio or watch Fox News to know this. Now, we knew we knew that these, these riots were called peaceful or mostly peaceful. 
because we watched how it was covered on CNN and MSNBC. Is it possible these people, these adults, have no idea of what really transpired last summer because they wouldn't dare once turn on Fox or listen to a talk radio show? Is that a possibility? Is it? I think it is. I think it is a possibility. And if it's true, think about the importance of that very data point when you go into conversation or debate with a political opponent. They know almost nothing you start with. They know almost nothing you start with. I can name you the leaders of the BLM. I can tell you what their animating philosophy is. I don't know that any of the people who go around saying, aren't we glad Joe Biden is president now, have any idea who the leadership is of the organizations in the conservative movement or in the Republican Party or on the right that they decry. Not a clue. Not a clue. And I think it's awfully hard to compare January 6th to last summer when you had not a single known person, not a single known spokesman on behalf of the Republican Party, not a single conservative spokesman of any repute whatsoever. Not a one was involved in that, and not a one didn't denounce it. That is not what transpired last summer, where you had famous people marching, where you had famous people like the vice president raising funds for the people who were arrested in those riots. <coughs> Excuse me. Where you had elected political leaders taking the, the, the name of a Marxist organization and painting it on the streets and shouting it from their throats and creating neighborhoods named after it. It's not a difference of a minimal distinction. It's an entirely different thing altogether. When Nancy Pelosi was asked about a violent situation in Baltimore where a statue of Christopher Columbus was torn down. That was not the only thing that happened. Police were in retreat at that riot, trying to protect the statue and the people. They were put in retreat by the rioters in Baltimore. And when Nancy was asked about it, she said, people will do what people will do. You have nothing like that with regard to January 6th at all. Nothing. Nor do you have anything like the numbers, nor do you have anything like the support, nor do you have anything like the famous people, and nor do you have anything about the justifications. Now, that's one part of what it means to have a party that is dominated by crazies and a party that has done pretty well to keep its extremists out of it. That's the difference. You can have a good movement with ill-tempered and bad elements. But when you have a bad movement, it's suffused with it. And it's unfortunate that those who are in it can't even see it. Cave dwellers. We're called troglodytes. We aren't. Cave dwellers is what they are in the platonic sense. We'll be right back. Just one last point on the riots of last year and the Republicans of all years. Um, thanks to um, one benefit of Twitter, 
you um, you can see when people posted things. Kamala Harris put out a tweet on June 1st last year asking people to send money to the fund that would help post bail for those who were engaged in the unrest of last year. She writes, she tweeted, if you're able to if you're able to chip in now to the MN Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the grounds in Minnesota. Probably ill-timed, June 1st of 2020, right before something like 60 people were arrested that week in a riot in Minnesota. But when you go to that organization's website that she was raising money for, it's fun to read. It's fun to read. This is the sentence I enjoy most. Quote, We are working to dismantle a criminal justice system that is particularly unjust and inequitable towards those at the intersection of race, poverty, homelessness, and immigration status, among other factors. You have the would-be vice president of the United States asking people to send money to a group that says their effort, their, their purpose is to dismantle criminal justice system. Not the first time you heard that, dismantle. Dismantled the criminal justice system? Yeah, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was. All right. Uh, Keith is in Atlanta. Hi, Keith. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Seth. How are you? I am doing fine. What's up? Hey, um, I wanted to point out the reason why if you walk into a room and you're conservative that you won't discuss politics is because there's a good chance you would b- bump into a liberal, and and you can't really have civil um, disagreements because it ends in an argument. And they typically, when the argument is being lost, throw out the, throw out the insults. Whereas with us, let's just say that they have a, a solid argument, and and um, in general, our arguments are better. But we won't ever resort to insulting and they don't see it as they're insulting um anyone because they first of all they don't have respect for us and they can get away with being uh, rude because there's a double standard they they're excused from all just like the riots they're totally excused from their riots but when january 6 happens oh it's the biggest oh you're making a very important point no this is a very important point there are always justifications that 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 uh, that justify that that justify the uh, contumacy. For example, uh, do you remember the thousand plus doctors who wrote a letter saying, "While we generally support the mitigation efforts that that um, that proscribe congregant uh, gatherings, when it comes to the issue of race, that's just as important as COVID." Go congregate. Yes. Go meet. Go yes. shout. Go get together en masse. Yeah? Right. Yeah. yeah. There's always the justification. But, you know, that's nothing new for the left that has always believed that the ends are justified. Uh, the ends justify the means. They've always that's thought correct. that, as every Marxist organization has. Yes. And and, and that's how the media were, operates, too. It's a double standard. Look at Look at how they went after Trump, but they give Biden a total pass for everything. They gave Obama a total pass for everything. They called Trump stupid, but I remember Obama saying he he visited 57 states. 
and they never railroaded that guy on that. They never railroad people like Hank Johnson, who believes that Guam is a lily pad in the Pacific. They always get a the path, island that can tip our, over. Yes. Yes. Right. I'm right. Sa- right. And I'm sa- I'm sad to say he's my congressman. Oh, is that right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, I also want to ask you about something, and and, and it comes down to George Soros, and he's a, a constant topic on conservative radio, and. There's one of two conspiracies that have to be true, and I can't figure it out. He admitted on 60 Minutes probably 35 years ago that he had actually had collaborations with the Nazis in World War II, and Jewish people were outed because of what he did. And either he's a conservative, the boogeyman, the conservatives, either they blame everything on, or the other conspiracy is, he has so many people bought off in governments that he never faces justice. He gets away with all right, everything. All right, stay with he... me. Stay with me. There's a lot there. Uh, stay with me, Keith. i got to take a quick break. I want to address a lot of that when we come back. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 Keith in Atlanta uh, on, George, uh, on George Soros. Uh, Keith, a couple of things. Um, yes, his name comes up a lot, and I, um, especially uh, amongst yes conservatives, because he does through his open society and foundations and personal wealth fund an awful lot of progressive slash Marxist slash left wing causes, and does have a lot of um, a lot of money floating into and through the Democratic Party. Uh, and he gets involved in all kinds of races, races that otherwise aren't on necessarily even the national scene, as he did, for example, when he got involved in our county attorney's race here in Arizona a couple of times. Um, the first thing that's interesting to note is whenever his name is brought up by the likes of someone like you or me, uh, we're often told, and you can find this throughout the Internet, we're often told that it's an anti-Semitic dog whistle, that it's an anti-Jewish dog whistle that we bring up George Soros. Um, I have to tell you, uh, just from my own um, my my own biography and knowing what I know of Soros, until about three or four years ago, I didn't even know he was Jewish. I honestly, really? maybe four years ago, didn't even know he was Jewish until I started seeing people saying, you bring up his name, that's an anti-Semitic dog whistle. Until I heard that, I didn't even know he was Jewish. I didn't know that much of his biography. And then I did look into it a little bit more uh, because there were these issues floating around about collaborations with the Nazis, etc. Um, the first thing to note about collaboration with the Nazis is he was three years old when Hitler came to power. And, I, you know, bl- blame, blame a 12 or 13-year-old as you want, but it doesn't tell me much about really in those kinds of extreme circumstances where you're trying to hide and conceal who you are to save your life. It just doesn't tell me a lot about someone. I, I, I have a hard time blaming a 12-year-old's actions for survival in, in, in the Third Reich as, as determinative of his, of his views today. Is that, is that unfair? 
No, that, I don't think that's unfair because, yes, being 12 years old and he was hiding from extreme evil. Yeah. But I, yeah. Okay. So, he, so he I've still, never, I've never made that, I've never made that allegation, and I know that there's a conflict on the history of it a little bit. There's a little bit of a conflict on it, but he was 12 or 13 years old. I just, I can't hold that against him. I can hold his noxious views against him. I can hold his noxious actions against him um, as an adult. Uh, but at 12 or 13, I, I just, I, I can't. It's, it's hard for me to go there. So I, I just never but, bring that up. I think what he's doing now is evil enough. Yeah, he, he he's definitely an evil person. And that's the other thing about it. He has done things. You've heard about the famous one where about 30 years ago he broke the British bank by shorting the pound, and many people lost their savings because of him. Why? How does he keep getting away with that stuff? How does it – why does – and isn't he – in trouble with France for tax evasion as well? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I know that that it's 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 not hard to find titans of corporate wealth and affluence and influence and identify a lot of people who lost out economically because of their decisions. I remember how well this was done to Mitt Romney in 2012 with Bain Capital. Do you remember all those ads of all the people who said yeah. Mitt Romney took over and we all lost our jobs? Yes. It's not hard to do that to someone who employs a lot of people or takes over or does leveraged buyouts or does turnaround business or any. I, so I just don't know. I don't know. I've never made a practice of it. All I know is I stand for nothing he stands for, and I think what he stands for needs to be condemned. It needs to be debated. But I don't know that it's actually anything different politically, assuming that other people are allowed to have different political points of view, than many people on our side who have spent a lot of money on the little and big races and in the bundlings. There's a lot of people on our side who have un ungodly amounts of wealth and they use it for a good political cause and i just don't yeah. know that it's any different except for the fact that we disagree with george soros's politics but but he also i do personally think that he has a goal of destroying this country i mean he's done things that are outright in the detriment of the way our of our lives uh our livelihood and so forth. I mean, so is like, Barack and, Obama, Joe Biden, and Nancy Pelosi, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, but like, he, he, he supports these attorneys general throughout different states, yep. such as Gascon, uh, the, the district attorney in Los Angeles. They're yep. all with this hyper-liberal point of view that's just bringing destruction on this country. He does that because I think he... he that's his one crown jewel he wants before he dies is to bring America down. I think that that's his, it's a goal of his. Oh, it may very well be. It may very well be. But I don't know that, you know, him spending money on political races funding Democrats is illegal. No, but, but what about... And I, okay, the, so, the so here's the question. Okay, so here's the question. You, you know a lot more about him than I do. I know a little bit about him. What would you do about it? That's just the thing about it. I don't understand why something hasn't been done. 
But what could be I done? What could be done? You have okay. a, a very wealthy man who's broken no U.S. laws, who spends a lot of money on progressive causes. What can be done about that? Okay, let's look, look at what happened to Michael Flynn, who, was, who has been exonerated. Um, him, uh, with his work with Trump, how they hauled him away out of his house in the middle of the night. Right, but you're describing an illegal action that you now want to attach to George Soros? <coughs> but you, you, you want to do to George Soros what was done to Michael Flynn? That's not justice. <coughs> okay. Is um, it? I mean, I, I may be misreading you. I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Okay. If you're saying Michael Flynn is the model of what should be done to George Soros, I thought we didn't like what was done to Michael Flynn. I didn't like it, but what I'm saying is he – Michael Flynn was exonerated, but they they, um, hauled him out of his house in the middle of the night. I'm not saying that should be done with George Soros, but what I'm saying is this. If I were to start a collaboration to do something to bring the United States government down, I would be charged with treason at that point. No, you wouldn't. No, you actually wouldn't. Uh, you'd have to do something more than funding a lot of Republicans. You'd really have to do more than that. Welcome back, and thanks for spending some of your time with us. I really do appreciate it. I, I, I'm thinking a little bit about something I was reading yesterday, and it brings us kind of to maybe even a little bit about what Keith was getting at in the last call. I was spending a lot of time with Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, over the weekend. I figured someone should since he's being banned here and there at, uh, at quite, quite, a, quite a fast clip, shall we say, including in, um, in New York City. So his idea was to found the University of Virginia with James Madison. And there was a reason that he did that, and he was so proud of it that that accomplishment is on his gravestone, not not the presidency of the United States. Why, why was he doing it? Well, as he wrote to General Breckinridge, he did so because, quote, our sons are imbibing opinions and principles in discord with those of their own country. This canker is eating on the vitals of our existence. Jefferson was on early to what bad education about this country could lead to. He called it a canker. He wrote that some 20 years after he was inaugurated president of the United States, where in his inauguration, He said, if there be any among us who would wish to dissolve this union or to change its Republican form, let them stand undisturbed as monuments of the safety with which error of opinion may be tolerated, where reason is left free to combat it. You know what the problem here is, folks? Jefferson wasn't wrong. It's just that the left, the left will not tolerate opinions that are allowed or should be allowed to combat their error of opinion. They do it through censorship, the exact opposite of what Jefferson said should be the case in a multi-opinioned society. Let error of opinion be tolerated, where reason is left free to combat it. The problem is they're not letting us combat it freely. They're censoring us. That's our cause.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.